Welcome to Healthy Perspectives Podcast with Jeremiah, where we provide clinical perspectives on current social and cultural issues. And don't forget, you can subscribe at Podbean, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe at any or all of them. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Getter, Twitter, and many other social media sites. Or you can email us at healthy perspectives with an S at protonmail.com. All right, we've got a good one for you today. Uh, we are going to be talking fantasy and reality. As a therapist, this is uh, one of those, those critical components that we look at uh, routinely with any client, whether they're young or old or male or female or anything. Because fantasy reality, the, the distortions that come through fantasy uh, can be both beneficial or detrimental. And so we, we definitely want to be paying attention to this. Some of the topics I'm going to hit today, uh, just outline them for you and give you a little heads up. It's not going to be an easy show probably to listen to. <laughs> I, would, I would anticipate some energy in different categories. I'm going to talk about transgender, censorship, racism, victim mentality, uh, fascism, uh, corruption, Roe v. Wade, and climate. Uh, I know I'm picking really tough cultural issues because I want to hit fantasy reality in a way that is uh, going to be helpful, right? Like if we only address fantasy reality when it's simple, uh, like imaginary friends, you know, then we have missed the boat. Uh, we do not want to miss the boat here at Healthy Perspectives. So we're going to get after it with some hard, hard topics. All right, so hang in there and let's en let's enjoy the ride a little bit. I'll start with uh, uh, what is fantasy. We got we got to start with defining things, right? Defining things is is important. Uh, a fantasy is is more or less it's just imagination, but it's imagination about things that are impossible or improbable, right? Our brain, by design, fills in gaps, narrative gaps, and so if we have too much distortion toward the fantasy, those things that are improbable or impossible, then we fill in gaps with things like conspiracy, unnecessary conspiracy, right? There has to be some sort of reasonable explanation to get the conspiracy to make sense. And so when we live in fantasy, conspiracy becomes way more attainable. Why? Because we can fill in the gaps with whatever we want. So it's an imagination. We love imagination. I'm going to stay with fantasy for just another moment. We want this in children because it creates a, a creativity and a limitless nature to a child. In other words, they can form their identity in the freedom of not being told you are this or you are that. There are problems, though, and we're going to address some of those as we go. The other is we don't want it in adulthood. Like That is not super healthy in adulthood, outside of one exception that I, I as a therapist, love to uh, encourage fantasy. And that is when we clean slate something in order to brainstorm. If there were limitless boundaries... In a brainstorm, that can be good. 
it can be good because it encourages us to see things from a vantage point that is, uh, you know, unfettered, that has no, no limits to it whatsoever. And so there's an advantage there until we have to slap reality onto it. And we, as adults, we don't want fantasy that is unchecked because that is uh, unhealthy. And I'll explain why when we get to some diagnostic stuff that I'm going to go over today. So then what is reality? Like, if, if we know what fantasy is, it's an imagination, basically. Reality is, is that the, the lack of imagination? Or is it the check for imagination? Uh, it's obviously reality is things that exist as they are. In other words, it's more of a check. It is not a way of, uh, you know, if people are not open to the fantastical, there's a, there's a challenge there too. We become overly rigid, just like fantasy becomes overly chaotic. If we default to overly rigid, then we lose complete creativity. And that's a problem. So now that I've defined both fantasy and reality, let's go back to my list of topics. I'm going to go through them one at a time. We're going to start with, I mean, obviously they're all tough topics, but we're going to start with transgender. Let's talk about reality of transgender. Transgender is not a biological movement. Here's the reality of it. It's a psychological movement. The idea that we can feel what we feel, I have zero problem with that. Because as a therapist, I'm telling people that nobody gets to decide what you feel. And your feelings don't have to dictate your behaviors, right? So if I feel like a woman, that's okay. I can feel whatever I feel. I'm not suggesting any of you have to like it if I feel like a woman. But that could be my feeling. And that is real. I could become a woman. I know I'm going to irritate a lot of people out there. Biologically, I can't. There are limitations. I can go to a certain extent, right? If I were to have certain surgeries, I could uh, achieve the perception more realistically. But it doesn't change the biological reality. So there's challenges there, right? So when we look at transgender, we see reality is it's, it's more of a feeling, a sensation, an experience that a person is having, and it is not a biological reality. So the fantasy there is I can become a real woman. It's kind of like Pinocchio. I mean, Pinocchio was made out of wood. And in a fantasy world, he could become a real boy. But we all look at Pinocchio and know it's Pinocchio. He was made out of wood. Until we insert him into the story that is fantastical. Fantasy. Okay. The next one. Censorship. Is censorship reality or fantasy? There's, there's reality side of it. People have censored people since the beginning of time, right? Like the, the most basic censorship 
is going to be going back to say like Adam and Eve, uh, you know, going back to, um, you know, Cain and Abel. I mean, murder. I mean, that's a censorship, isn't it? So censorship in reality does occur. The question being asked today is what is healthy censorship versus unhealthy censorship? And the reality is when we miss viewpoints, especially ones we disagree with, that kind of censorship we know socially sets us back. It doesn't push us forward. So when we censor the things that we don't like, the problem with that is it sets us back socially. Now, we look at the other side of that and go, well, but isn't there healthy censorship? The reality of that, yes, there is a, a, a healthy censorship. We want to protect those who cannot protect themselves. Listen to my previous podcast on censorship, and I'll get into that quite a bit. So the reality and the fantasy, they both exist within censorship. And we have to navigate with reality and the idea that we should explore it from a limitless perspective. What happens if there is no censorship? That's unhealthy. What happens if there is complete censorship by a small group of people? That's also unhealthy. So reality is we've got to find someplace in the middle. And that's really hard for people. People who are pro-speech, they don't understand why you would ever censor anything. Well, let's take a look at a five-year-old. You know, there is a certain amount of censorship that's good and healthy for a five-year-old. And that's why we get all this rhetorical uh, conversation in politics, because some people can see reality that some things need to be censored and that other things should not be censored. And some people can't see that. All right, racism. Is that reality or is that fantasy? I mean, it's reality and it's fantasy. I know I'm probably bugging the crud out of a lot of you. Racism is, is a reality. People look at color, at race, at gender, at you know, sex. They look at these things. That is reality. Where the fantasy comes in is that this is the worst it's been in the history of time. That's not reality. That is far from reality. I mean, we can go back 150 years here in America and point to times where it was much, much, much worse. Does that mean we have arrived at the place we want to be? I'm not suggesting that because that would also be a fantasy. We haven't arrived yet, but we also aren't stuck 150 years ago. And we should really acknowledge both realities. Otherwise, we're living in a fantasy that race will never get any better or race is as good as it will get. False realities, both of them. I know, I'm challenging a lot of you, stay with me. All right, so we're gonna move on to the victim mentality. The victim, is there such thing as a real victim? Yes. Is there such a thing as being a victim in fantasy? Yes. Yes. A lot of times, 
people who are really victimized can take on the mentality that they are a victim in their entire life. They take the lens of being a victim in a situation and they project it out into their future saying, oh, somebody's going to come and get me. Oh, somebody's going to do this. Or, wow, if I look back, I was the victim of my parents. I was the victim of my siblings. I was the victim of my friends. I was the victim of my school. I was the victim of my town and so on and so on. And they take that lens that has a certain hue, certain color to it, and they apply it to their entire story. That is a fantasy, right? We can be the victim in situations. And if we take on the victim as a life, as an identity, that's a fantasy. That is not a reality. Not everything that happens to you makes you a victim. That is a real statement. So when we look at victim mentality, yes, it can be a fantasy and it can be reality. How about fascism? I know I'm using these hard terms, these, this language that is designed to spike emotion on purpose because I want you to experience the fantasy reality pull. Emotions tell us stuff. And when I say fascism, many of you immediately go to certain things in your mind. Some are reality and some are fantasy. So what is fascism? If you haven't listened to my previous podcasts, you, you, I don't know. I mean, it's been a while since I've done one on fascism, but the idea of, of, of national dominance, the idea that, um, you know, there's an, a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictator, a leader, a person that's at the top, this hierarchical, uh, you know, we are one under this, this, you know, group. Um, and the idea that we belong to a specific group. Let's take a, a reality check on that. What makes one country better than any other? Um, nothing in particular. Because we're talking about groups of people. People are flawed, which means every government, every country, every nation in the world is flawed because people facilitate it. It's just like when we look at church. Every church is flawed. Every single one. Does that mean that the doctrine of, of, of Jesus is bad? No. It means people are flawed. We're flawed people. And so fascism has a reality that we should have a sense of belonging to our place of birth, our, our nation that we identify with. We should have a, a, a healthy connection. But where it becomes a distortion, a fantasy, is when we claim superiority. That's, that's not a, a reality. Nothing, nothing inherently makes us superior because of where we were born or because of the nation that I, a, a has accepted us. That doesn't make us superior. And that's a problem. Corruption, political, business, corruption, like economic corruption. Uh, is it reality? Yes, it's a reality. Is it fantasy? Yes. There are people who point to corruptions that are not real. They make them up. They fill in the gaps and they say, oh, well, look at this corruption. Uh, voting. Is it corrupt? 
always, there's always a corruption to voting. Somebody somewhere is trying to cheat. Is it to the extent that it changes complete outcomes? Uh, it depends on where you are. Some places, yes, there's a reality to that. In America, is that a reality? Probably not. I mean, let's let's take a close look at it. You know, maybe if we're dealing with, uh, you know, uh, uh, four or five hundred thousand votes in a presidential election, could it potentially be a game changer? But the reality is most of it isn't corrupt. As it sits right now in the United States, at least most of it's not corrupt. And so, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you could say, well, win by more than 3% and you're golden, which in most races, let's be real, they're won by more than 3%. So, you know, how much corruption is there? There is corruption. That's reality. How much change does it make? Not as much as some people would like you to think, right? Because they, they, they fill their, their gaps with fantasy. Oh my gosh, if we were able to identify, you know, 40,000 people, well, yeah, okay. I mean, was there more than that? Yeah, probably. Was it on both sides? Probably. I mean, there's people who want to cheat no matter what angle we're coming from. So, you know, how much does it impact? I don't know. Um, I, I can't say for sure, but I can tell you, it's not likely what they want. The reality is probably somewhere in between in between. Meaning we should get rid of some corruption. Yeah, of course. Eliminate as much as we can. But we'll never eliminate it all. Right? Think about it like a hacker. A hacker is always a step ahead, aren't they? Why? Because that's their role. They stay a step ahead to keep people uh, uh, honest to, to a degree. I mean, I know there's a dishonesty in hacking a lot of times, most of the time. But then they force people to be more consistent. And that, that could be a good thing. All right. Uh, Roe v. Wade. Uh, reality is uh, whether you like this or not, Roe v. Wade was unconstitutional from the beginning. Okay, I know. I lost some of you right there. Because it was being done federally and not at the state. It should have been done at the state all along. When you read the Constitution, now I'm not suggesting that we're at the right location right now. Please hear me clearly. We may or may not be at the right location in all of these states. What I'm saying, though, is there's a reality to it. The idea that it was implemented federally was not the right place to do it. And so, is it in the right spot now? I mean, according to our constitution, yes. Do we, uh, do we like where it came from? Like in terms of when it got to the states that abortions are being outlawed in so many places. Look, probably not in a lot of states. In a lot of states, they would say, no, we want it to be legal. Let me just take a look at California. They're trying to legalize it for anybody in the country who wants to get an abortion. They can go to California and they're even doing it for underaged people, which I'm not saying is good or bad um, in, in terms of the way it's fantasy or reality. Right. But the reality is that's happening. So not every state is going to get behind the idea that abortion should be outlawed. Great. In a nation like ours, 
that's a, that's a good thing. If they get to the point where they are ignoring other state laws, that's a problem because we have constitutional protections for that. So that's a challenge, right? To relocate uh, your entire family just just to pursue an abortion. Now, let's take a look at fantasy and a reality when it comes to women's rights around Roe v. Wade. Is it a reality that there are restrictions for women? Yes, that's a reality. You don't have to like what I'm saying, but it is a reality, which means a woman potentially could lose her right to decide what to do with her body, right? Because the baby is in the body of the woman. And that is reality. Is that a problem? Yes. We need to take a look at that. We need to take a look at that in every state and be really clear about what we believe to be the right thing to do for the woman and the baby. That is a reality. The fantasy that that baby, it does not exist. That's a fantasy. When the baby is growing inside of the uterus, the baby is real. It's not a, uh, you know, a comic book baby. It's not a, uh, a cartoon baby. It's a real baby being developed. Now, we can get into all of the semantics around, well, at what point does it become alive and such and such? Well, you know, some people would argue that the moment uh, the sperm hits the egg uh, and it takes, it fertilizes and it starts to split, it's alive. Some people would say, well, that thing is not alive. They literally would say that thing, not that baby. That thing is not alive until the woman uh, uh, pushes it into the world or it brings up this dilemma. What about a C-section? <laughs> when that, that baby takes its first, first breath, maybe? I mean, some people would suggest that. What's reality? That's a great question on that particular topic, right? Do living things multiply? Or do dead things, things that are not alive yet, multiply? I don't know. I mean, you could make a case that, you know, when it's the breath, but living things multiply. Dead things typically don't. I mean, that's how it works. So do what you want with that part. I just wanted to address it because it's one of those socially difficult topics and I don't want to avoid them. Climate. There is a, f a reality about climate. Climate changes all the time. True. That's a truth. Is it gradually getting warmer? It appears to be yes. And what's the fantasy around climate? The fantasy is how much we think we can control it. This, this whole perception, now I'm not suggesting we don't do what we can to take care of what we have. That we should absolutely do. Should we recycle when we can? Yeah. You know, should we, you know, try to limit our emissions and drive less? Sure. That's a good thing. You know, should we walk more and ride bikes more? Sure. Should we drive electric vehicles? Fantasy reality check here. It is does a lot of damage to create electric vehicles. Batteries, they don't do no damage to our climate. And the use of them, you know, having electricity going out into the world around us causes issues. 
That's a truth. That's a reality. Is it better than the alternative? That's yet to be seen. We don't know. So anybody who says 100% yes, that's at the moment, not reality. That's fantasy. But it's part of that creativity. I mean, let's explore it. Let's do some research. Let's find out. We find out on a small scale and then we scale it up too big and we see what it would look like if it were a big part of the automotive population. And then we might have some idea of fantasy and reality. Right now, we don't. We don't have a clear picture of reality. So we're filling in with fantasy. Storms increasing. How much control do people truly have over storms? I mean, it depends. Some people would suggest a lot. I don't think we have as much power as a lot of people would like you to think. Because the reality is storms come all the time. Are they increasing in frequency, in intensity, in duration? I mean, those are questions we've been asking. But there isn't an unprecedented storm that we have seen. Right? What, what just happened in Florida, that's not unprecedented. That, we have to go back a ways to see one. But if we can go back into our own records and find them, then the reality is we've had storms like that before. Not only that, but if we've had storms like that before on record, our records were not as good back then, right? Like we haven't been tracking these things for, you know, five, 600 years. For the most part, we've been tracking them in detail for the last maybe 100 to 200 years max. So how many have we missed historically? Well, we can look back in the Bible and which is historical in, in its documentation of, of weather systems. And we can say, yeah, there's been some major weather systems. How much control did people have over it? Well, people who are spiritual would say, well, that, you know, that God came in and cleaned out things. So people had some control and we didn't exercise that control. But how much control really? I mean, if God is in control, how much control do we actually have? Obedience. That's what control we have. Okay, we're going to move on from climate. Uh, I brought all of this stuff up mostly to challenge you and your thinking. Why does this matter? Well, there are three disorders. Well, actually, I'm going to say two. There are two disorders and this other thing that floats around out there that is therapeutically just not valid. Uh, let's start with that one because it's, as of the moment, it's fantasy. It's called fantasy-prone personality. That is not in the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual. Fantasy-prone personality. It's not real. So anybody who says they have a fantasy-prone personality, uh, that's not a real thing. That's a fantasy thing. And so will it become a real thing? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, there's a lot of smart people out there that look through these diagnoses all the time and say, hey, where do we need to get more specific? Where do we get more broad and vague? And so maybe someday it'll be a reality, but right now it's not reality. So anybody who talks about fantasy prone, prone personality, they're not living in reality world. They're living in a fantasy world. The two that really stick out are borderline personality disorder and borderline personality disorder disorder sorry is a uh, is a disorder that 
we often use for some severe attachment things. And it's this fantasy within the mind that everyone is going to leave you. So in many cases, they try to leave them first, right? It's, it's this lack of reality, uh, wall. There's, there's no re not no, there's some reality understanding, but when it comes to relationships, it's minimal. And that is problematic because in borderline personality disorder, if, if you have unchecked fantasy, even in sections, in portions of your life, and you don't have the reality check going on, you end up with these major distortions. And that is where borderline is born out of. It's born out of that, that spot where reality and fantasy act independent and fantasy gets to roam freely around relationships. I'm super connected to this person, so much so that my whole life revolves around them. And they do one thing that bothers you, and it's like, we were never friends at all. Wait a minute, that's fantasy. You're bouncing in and out of fantasy right there. You know, reality says, well, you did something that hurt me, and that's potentially repairable. A borderline personality disorder uh, situation is going to say, yeah, that's, there's no repairing that. But then all of a sudden, you'll give it a shot again for no apparent reason, mostly because you long for that fantasy of that original connection, which was fantasy. And you assume they're never going to hurt you again. And then you jump back in. So borderline personality disorder has a lot of fantastical components. But the one that is the most extreme is schizotypal personality disorder. Now, schizotypal uh, and schizophrenia, which is you know often viewed as a more uh, extreme version of schizotypal, although they are very, very different. Schizotypal, it, it, it basically is saying uh, that there's this innate suspicion and paranoia that comes that creates anxiety and distrust. And then it gets exploited through friendships or lack of friendships in many cases. They get uncomfortable with intimacy because they are, uh, they, they're scared. There's this fear in there um, that, that they can't. And, and that if they do, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost them. And so they have all of these distorted perceptions where they, in some cases, may think things like noises are voices or they can read people's minds, right? And so they can often come across aloof or, or um, uh, they can feel like uh, you know, they're better off to stay in their fantasy, so in schizotypal personality, where it typically becomes identifiable is often out of, out of adolescence, just as an adolescent is moving into adulthood and they, um, as they're moving into adulthood, they, they don't realize that their fantasies need to be checked with reality. And so they go unchecked long enough and you end up with somebody who believes that the fantasies maybe are reality, 
And then schizophrenia is a total disconnect. They, uh, you know, there's, there's this, and sometimes it comes in phases, right? Where they, they understand reality sometimes, but more often than not, they can't. And so you may feel like you're getting through because they have a, a, a moment of reality, but then they revert back to the fantasy. And these are really potentially dangerous uh, diagnoses of B, uh, BPD and schizotypal personality or, or schizophrenia. They're, they're dangerous because when we cannot check fantasy with reality, anything becomes fair game. Uh, not, I'm saying that this, this may not be, uh, you know, the, this is probably the more extreme cases, but death has a different perception in fantasy than it does in reality. So, uh, you know, suicide or homicide becomes more achievable, right? We, we don't like that. We don't want that because that's, that's what we would call unhealthy, right? Death is a finality, on this planet, when people die, they don't come back. Well, there could be one exception. In some religious views, uh, we can come back. But even in those religious views, to commit suicide would be the wrong way to go out. So they have a, uh, a sort of a, a catch in there saying that isn't the best option in terms of uh, reincarnation. So that's a little bit of why it matters. And now to the most important thing, probably. What do you do? Reality is a grounding mechanism for our fantasy. Is fantasy a good thing? Absolutely. It creates creativity. I said that earlier. But if it's unchecked by reality, that's a problem. So what do we do? Accountability to reality. Not to my reality, your reality the reality. The human body needs water to survive. Reality. So anybody who thinks that they can not drink anything, they're not living in reality. So there needs to be accountability. I'm sorry, but that's just not real. What you're saying is not real. That helps because socially we learn from one another what is acceptable or unacceptable based on reality Versus based on fantasy. So we're going to move on to love. We need to love. We need to love deeply. That does not mean acceptance of the fantasy. It means a balance of fantasy and reality. Fantasy that's unchecked is not loving. It is not loving. It is actually harming the person. We cannot have fantasy go unchecked or we risk hurting someone. That is a big deal. But we can love them. We can love them and we can appreciate their fantasy viewpoint without accepting it as reality. For instance, transgender. Biological change there is still not something we can achieve in our, in our medical world. We can achieve a lot of things through it, but not all of it. We just can't do it. So to say you can become a different gender is fantasy. That, that being unchecked is a problem. Can we love them though? 
Of course we can love somebody who is gay, straight, trans. We can love somebody who is male, female, both. We can love regardless of their fantasy. It does not require acceptance of their fantasy to give them love. That is a reality. Patience. Have patience with people who are struggling with fantasy. I say that because building reality takes time, energy, and resources. We have to have time. We have to have put in enough energy. And we have to have proper resources. That doesn't mean brainwashing them. It means making sure we're checking reality. Not my reality. Not your reality. The reality. Unconditional positive regard of the person, not of the fantasy. I'm not judging their thought that that fantasy is real. What I'm judging is the realness of the fantasy, right? The fact that they think it, not the problem. The fact that they believe it and try to live it out, that's more of the problem. And we can accept the person without accepting the fantasy. We can love the person without accepting the fantasy. We can hold them accountable without being harsh, mean, cruel. We can accept them as a person, but not accept the fantasy. Anytime we pull the carpet out from someone, and this is how I'm going to leave you. Anytime we pull the carpet out from someone, meaning we are adding reality into their fantasy. We are taking a risk. If reality doesn't get rooted in different areas and we just yank out fantasy, we can see a total collapse. In the therapeutic world, we replace first saying, hey, let's take a look at fantasy and reality. What is reality? And then we begin to challenge some of the fantasy little bits at a time so that we don't just yank the carpet out from under them and have them lose their junk. We don't want that. That's unhealthy. It creates harm. So the way we do it is we make sure there's something there to catch them if they start to stumble or fall, which means enough reality has to be seeped in as opposed to slamming it into their face, right? It's, it's the idea that you don't use an ax to remove a fly from your friend's forehead. It's a bad idea. You know, maybe a fly swatter, but even that's going to hurt a little bit. Maybe just tell them to swipe it away. Hey, there's a fly. You might want to brush it off. They brush it off and you're like, awesome. Good job. A little bit of reality. All right. I've covered a lot of stuff. I know this is probably a little longer than usual, but fantasy reality is a huge topic that we must get better at. Because right now, as I'm looking around at the landscape in our social circles, in our cultural environment, in our politics, in our economics, there's a lot of fantasy. And it's not going checked by reality, the reality, not your reality or my reality but the reality. The only way to get the reality 
is to share perspectives. We have to share them. And then people can come in and say, oh, hey, Jeremiah, you know, on this one, you were probably a little bit off. You were probably projecting a little bit of your fantasy. Okay, thanks. I'll take a look at that. I get to decide still if it's the reality for me, but the reality exists in spite of me, which means I can get some things wrong, just like you get things wrong. It's not a you or me thing. It's a we thing. We enter more of the reality when we share space and we communicate and we learn from one another and we grow from one another. And we can't do that if we're only talking. We have to also be listening. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I hope this was helpful. Have a great day. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a look at our website at www.healthyperspectives.com with a dash in between the healthy and the perspectives, make sure there's an S at the end.com. So again, www.healthy-perspectives with an S.com. 